0: it's a good show wicked respect this is native Wayne Jobson and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Antras Jones Radio 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 8 Ball Radio We're Radio 8 Ball Give us a shake We're hearing
1: Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, here at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California, with our musical guest, Sylvia Black. Hello. And she is joined by her musical compatriot, Greg Foreman. Hello. Who asked the question in our last segment. Mm -hmm. And now we're joined by... Someone who I'm looking forward to getting to know better. His name is Bill Moler. Bill or Billy?
2: What do you prefer, Bill? Billy? Yeah, Bill. If you've known me for uh, 20 years, yeah. and Billy uh, uh, for the newbies.
1: Okay, well, we'll start with Billy, and maybe depending upon <laughs> yeah. how long we go, I might graduate to build him.
2: So, oh, let's, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so Billy, how do you how do you know this fantastically talented woman that is? Uh, Gracing us with her music.
2: I uh, I know this amazing woman. We went to college together, and where she was, uh, we went to um, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, oh, Massachusetts. Oh yeah. And um, she was uh, maybe one of two girls in the whole school, and uh, she was just a ripping bass player. And she was, I mean, she stood out. She just was still amazing amazing talent very gifted so we became friends then and and uh yeah that started it
1: and sylvia what made you invite billy to be your guest here on radio eight ball
3: well we went to school together and i remember him distinctly uh we didn't hang out that much i didn't hang out i didn't go out i didn't do anything i did not like boston i did not like much about any of it But um, when would this have been like
1: what like what time period would this have been a long time? Well, I mean, so I I went to I went to high school in Boston in the late 80s.
3: Okay, I wasn't there. Yeah,
1: I'm probably a bazillion years older than you. At least a bazillion. Yes. So. Um,
3: So but he he was from Southern California and I was from California half of my life that anyways. And most of the people were just. Anyway, pretentious jerks we never got to know each other too well they just they were clueless and um, but when I was recently playing a show in LA and he came up to me we hadn't spoken since college this is many 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 years later and he's like yeah I heard this Saw this woman on stage and she was playing bass and I was like, "That's too good for a regular so and so." She must have gone to Berkeley or something. And then he looked up and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's Sylvia." So I was opening <laughs> for his his act that he was producing. What pom called the what? The
2: pom poms. And um, that
1: Billy was producing. Yeah. Okay.
2: And so we Yeah, were and you know, you have know, to cut you off. But that California, that totally reminded me. That's why we did connect. That California thing. When you're on the East Coast in college and you you're from the west coast and you you grew up surfing, skateboarding, playing music and when you meet like people that are from the west coast out there that have grown up with that similar thing you're you're kind of instantly friends because you probably listen to the same music, you probably did a lot of the same things and so i found that Wherever you go in the world, if you run into people from Southern California that grew up surfing, skating, playing in bands, you end up just like – you're you are instantly bros. So that's that, – you, you totally nailed it.
3: represented Southern California for me i i just spent a few years in orange county but that was like my fond memories of you know skateboarding with guys and in yep. grade school and you know so he yep. just reminded me of all that but anyway so he became like my touchstone here he's just he's the busiest guy i know and he's also the most generous guy i know and most of this lydia stuff is mixed at his studio out in long beach and, lydia lunch yeah yeah and uh, he just continues to like support me and Ruddy and just be there for us whenever, you know, and obviously we'll do whatever he wants us to do for him. He's just a great person.
1: When you say Ruddy, who are we talking about?
3: My boyfriend. He's also a really great engineer, and they'll be working together this weekend.
1: Ruddy, is that his first name or his last name?
3: Rudyard. Ruddy is his first name. Rudyard. Yeah. But Billy is amazing. He's a bass player also, so we're super competitive and we have bass offs all the time. Really? Yeah. yeah, um, He he's worked with Dolly Parton and I don't know all kinds of people so you can we'll talk more about
1: you. so when you when you uh, when you meet another bass player like what are the things that that make you think okay this is someone either who's not worth my time to even talk to because can you are there are certain like things that you can tell when you talk with or or see a bass player play just for a second that you're like, oh, Well, for Billy, cheese ball when he or, saw me, or, oh.
3: it was like, oh, you're not playing with a pick? You suck. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, if you see a bass player with five strings, pretty much if you see a bass player, because they're all pretty much dorks. Yeah. So, But um, like, I think a lot of Republicans, their first instrument they pick up tends to be a bass. Really? <laughs> Don't you see? A lot of, it's just like a joke. No. Like a joke. Of like, but anyway. I just, see.
1: I, I, always, I have a lot of. I as a guitar player and a singer, I have a lot of love for the bass players that I've worked with. They're the ones. They always seem like they were the smartest people in the band, to me. You know, music. They tend to be the ones who are the most musically trained. they have to know their shit better. Uh, you, I, you
2: know what I'll give you to that. I'll give you this: is that a lot of. If you think about the role of the bass it, it it's, it's not like, a, um, it's, it's a very background instrument. So people who are starting off on bass, you inherently have that kind of like helper kind of mentality. Whereas like if you're going to play guitar or drums, there is a little bit of like like, I kind of want to stand out and be noticed. So that is something with bass players that I've noticed. Unless you're a girl that, and um, you're just like, I
0: want to play something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. But I, I, I think mean, how is, many female bass
3: players are there uh, out there?
2: It's true. Too, you know,
1: We recently had Britta Phillips with the band Luna. Oh, she was in here and she played bass and sang. We've had this, this uh, a kind of a run of singing bass players. And we were talking on that show about the bass as an instrument and about how... Well, the, the, I think she was saying that the bass that you like, you're playing melodies on the bass and she sings and plays bass, which we were talking about like that. You do it as well. That that always seems like that's one of the most one of the more difficult instruments to be a singer and play with. Do you feel? have you ever?
3: I mean, I wouldn't know any different. But yeah, it, it was it's difficult. I think I shy away from t- things that are, go against the rhythm. of the. But, you know, you play it enough, it becomes part of you.
1: I feel like I there is something about the way you play on the songs, at least that you've that you've been playing for us, that it does it doesn't feel like you're like you're trying to play the fanciest part and because you're just really holding it down, it makes the songs I guess maybe as a songwriter maybe that's what it is. As a songwriter you approach you as a bass player, you're approaching it as a songwriter, so you're playing what the song needs rather than that's the that's the knock on bass players, is that if they're not yeah. Into the song, they're just over there. I might, Was it? Uh, they used to. Yeah, the bass player we used to call the Stairmaster.
3: that's a mess. I just can't stand it when bass players go crazy. But I mean, like when I play with Christine and I'm not singing, it's a whole other math, rocky, pick fast, like. It's like, oh, there's the bass player. There she is. You know, like like, when I'm singing, I'm pretty laid back because I'm just trying to make sure I get everything out.
2: But but you know what the thing about bass is that when a bass player is really killing it and not doing too much, it's a really, it's to me and to probably probably anybody, it's not subtle. It's like, it's an odd thing because a lot of bass players you just hear and they're in the band, sounds good when you hear somebody that's really good and really has a strong command of the instrument and also have a strong uh, voice on the instrument, but de- but doesn't have to play too much. I don't know. I, I, I've always found those guys somehow find their way to the front uh, without doing anything flashy. It's just such a uh, presence and such a feeling they're, they're conveying.
3: Like, who's the guy... When you were DJing at this bar in New York, and I came in with, um, you're
1: talking to Greg. Greg. Uh,
3: he's a bass player, and he's part. Of, he formed this group recently called Free Bass. Do you know what I'm talking about? He was there. You met him. You took a picture with him, and posted. it.
1: Uh, um, somebody I was like excited to meet. Yeah. He's a, have, a famous bass player.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> Do you remember that night?
0: Um, I I remember it, but remember I'm cu- I'm curious who it's
3: on your Instagram.
0: <laughs> who uh, Billy thinks is um somebody who
1: like who would you say is that you describe would fit that bill that you describe as somebody who holds it down and is musical
0: and
3: Andy Bork, right?
2: I would say oh, I Andy would Rourke say that the 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 number one like number 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 one would be pino paladino like he's not it's just knock you like just knock you out for you sure. like just take you out kind of base and it's really interesting because you would you just the layman wouldn't understand isn't like focusing on the bass. but then you'll hear people when they see him play like even somebody like my father who's tuned in to bass players of course but you know, man. Yeah, you have
3: to talk
2: about that, th- your family at some point. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got an extinct family. My godfather is Bill Medley from the Righteous Brothers. Oh, so okay,
0: cool.
2: So I grew up. Yeah, I grew up with lots of Bill Spector, Hendrix, Elvis, Sammy Davis Jr. stories. And uh, my dad, my dad actually got him started in the music industry. He signed him up for a talent show in the eighth grade or ninth grade. He signed Bill up. Cause he thought he could sing so well wow. and um he ended up meeting bobby hatfield his partner and then uh my dad was around through the whole process of untrained melody he lost that love and feeling and was um staying with them and staying at phil spector's house through that period so really interesting they opened for uh uh a uh, little richard's band when they were first coming up and and hendricks was the guitar player on that band and so he was you know, hung with him for a while and just lots of stories of the music industry. So I saw early on that this thing that, um, seems so obscure to people, to me, the one thing that was great about growing up around that was seeing that like, oh, this is like, so this, this is a viable path, um, to have a, to have a, a life that you're like, you can, you can do this, you can play music, you can make art and you can, you can have a, um, you can have a normal life doing it, normal to a point. But the main thing was most people that, you know, when you tell me you're going to be a musician when you're 13 years old, you know, your school counselor they look at you cross eyes. and you know, and, and yes. that was that, So it was nice having that kind of like security in my back pocket of like I never doubted it for a minute because I saw it firsthand. And I remember my I remember my school counselor saying freshman year like okay, so we have to start your college plan for your plan. Let's talk about this. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a musician. I've already decided. And he goes, oh, okay, that's funny. It's funny. Okay, you're going to have to have a plan B. And I specifically told him, plan B is for people who are planning to fail. So that's not really going to happen. <laughs> so, so I said, I'm going to apply to one college. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I'm college going to go to Berkeley.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to go to Berkeley. And that's just what I'm gonna do. So sophomore year, same meeting happens. Yeah. So junior junior year, I finally just laid into the guy and you know told him who my godfather was and like hey, I was, you know, tell me one. This was this was my question, and it's still a valid question when anybody says, "What are you gonna do if it doesn't work out?" And this is this is my question, and I asked him junior of high school. Okay, point name one musician that's incredibly talented that 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 is has a gift that hasn't battled some sort of addiction or some something in their life that has held them back name one that you talked about these guys playing local bars not making name one that 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 has not succeeded for no other reason than they just they couldn't find they couldn't find the gig but they're amazingly talented name one because i said it doesn't exist if there's The only way that exists is if somebody had some demons, if something was holding them back. And I said, there's not one virtuoso, amazing musician that's punctual, that's got a great attitude, that's broke living in like Des Moines, Iowa and just never got a break. It doesn't exist. It doesn't.
1: Well, I, I, I feel like I might have met a couple of guys who might fit that bill. But, you know, in general, I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, the the what, what you can definitely say is, of all the great musicians who you think are amazing, name one who wasn't told to have a plan B. <laughs> all of them. And all of them yeah. chose to go with plan A and make it work. So, yeah. yeah I yeah. would love,
2: I would love, I would question the people that mm-hmm. didn't, that it didn't work out for because in, in my world, I don't know anybody that, that I truly think is gifted and talented and that doesn't have, sure, some like sort what your sort definition of, thing. of working out it means. Just like, yeah. mean, mean yeah. that they, they have a, they have a career. <laughs> they have a career. Yeah. They have a, they're, they're playing music professionally. They're happy with their career. They're in a, they're in a, in, in a spot. I, I like, for me, I've yet to meet that person that, um, and I'm talking about people that are that are very very talented. That that uh, to me, there's just no way that they're going to fail, and there never was a way, and they didn't. Um, so I've yet this to. I've you yet, can see Billy's
3: personality. Yeah, he is like, you know, go go go. <laughs> I mean, he's opening up a music school. He's opening up a studio near LAX. I mean, he's just like, oh, he's yeah. a different. He's a this. he's a different breed. Like he doesn't. Stop. And well, he's got three kids.
1: Well, well. So with all of this as uh, as context, Bill, do you have a do you have a question for us for the pop oracle?
2: I do. I have a question for the pop oracle, and it is: Why do we dream?
1: Why do we dream? Well, we've uh, we've I think we've exhausted the wheel here. So we're going to move on. To the Radio 8 cards. Mm. And Ooh. maybe if Cynthia would help me out here.
3: Who's that? Where is she?
1: I mean sorry, Sylvia. Why did I say Cynthia? Because I was thinking
3: everyone calls me Sheila or Cynthia. How
1: about how about Shealthia? <laughs> That's cute. So I have three cards laid out and if and if Sylvie 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 Sylvia Sylvie, uh, would pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card, pick a card, any card, any card, any card, any card. card. Song number five. Song number five is Shelter of Shadows. I'm going
3: to grab... That's yours, right? Shelter of Shadows,
1: the answer to the question. Would you mind repeating your question one more time? Why do we dream? Why do we dream?
3: So I'm going to grab... Greg's 12 string I don't play guitar And I certainly don't play 12 strings I'm going to try some finger picking And it's not going to sound
1: is, it gonna be, is this just you solo? Uh,
0: I
3: think i to play a in. little I'll try, maybe you can give me a beat And I'll try and hang on for dear life Maybe like that tempo
1: Or oh, you want a beat Alright, tell me it
2: Like, like that fast?
3: Okay.
0: Or do you want it slower? Go slower. No, I think it's all right. I can tell you we're free at last. Under a tree in a faraway field. Nothing but time and space is my shield.
3: Okay, never played 12 streams. <laughs> that was great. That was cool. Very tough.
1: That oh sounded God. great. And that was Shelter of Shadows. Almost, yeah. From Sylvia Black with Greg Foreman on the drums and just all the that spooky accompaniment. And that was the answer to Billy's question: why do we dream? So before we get into interpreting it, Sylvia, you want to tell us a little bit of, a little bit about the background. Of that song and your deep relationship with the 12-string guitar that you played (laughs) it on.
3: No relationship with 12-string whatsoever as evidenced by my performance today. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't care too much. Um, The song was probably inspired by being out on my mom's ranch. And when they asked me what the song was about when I played a couple weeks ago, Greg played with us. But then I sat in with Gabe and I played Shelter. Gabriel Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. And I played Shelter. I was drunk at that time and they said... What's that song about? And I just said zombie apocalypse, but that probably narrows it down. It's probably like that. And my mother has a ranch, and it's just really, there's a lot of solace. She's self-sufficient out there. At one point, I mean, she had cattle, chickens, garden, generator, uh, well, and I just would always kind of fantasize, yeah, when the zombie apocalypse happens, I know where I'll, I'll be, and it's just kind of this peaceful place. And by zombie to... apocalypse, I don't mean literal zombies, obviously. But.
1: Right. So what which zombies do you mean?
3: Um, Just hungry, angry, you know, that paranoia. What's that show? Um, they have a whole show dedicated to bug out bags and what are you mm-hmm. going to do in an emergency type situation. What is that show called? What are those people called? Preppers. Preppers. Yeah, it was the prepper mentality kind of inspired that song.
1: I would imagine if you were going to if you were going to Berkeley in Boston, you would have run into a lot of preppers. <laughs> Muffy and... Oh, those kind of preppers? Buffy and... No, <laughs> no, no. I didn't run
3: into anybody, <laughs> trust me. I didn't go out. Yeah, but, um... we,
1: we've already established that. You had no time for them. What? Unless someone showed up with a clearly Southern California vibe, you well, were like...
3: No, I went out twice in four years, and I didn't enjoy it. Did Billy... I guess we
2: lost them. You can answer it,
1: Billy. Did we lose you?
2: Yes, I'm so sorry. It was like about maybe 45 seconds ago.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Okay, so you've you've heard basically. So anyway, so uh, so we know a little bit about the background of the song from Sylvia. What do you think about that as the answer to your question about where dreams come from?
2: Well, the interesting thing about or it or is why uh, we dream. Sorry. Yeah, why we dream. I have to be honest, I couldn't make out the song over my phone.
1: Well, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> You're not
2: the only one. a lot
1: like, you know, it's a lot like a dream.
2: You <laughs> know. Well, it, that, that good. I, but I could tell you one thing I felt was the vibe. I mean, I can feel Sylvia has a, a very uh, specific sense of harmony, and it's like, I just love her writing so much, and I couldn't make out the words because of the phone. But I had the feeling, and it just—it just you instantly know it's her music with the set of chords and the way, the way she plays. Um, Yeah. So, so it it pretty much uh, was the answer, um, you know, to, to the question in the sense that. There is no answer to this question. Well, feeling. I'll
1: tell you, I uh, I have a little bit of a background in dreams. In Ooh, that... nice. Oh, well, well, no, I... no, it's the... actually that's not. Yes, I was in Nightmare on the Street, but but no, no. I... My father was a dream psychologist, so I grew up around people talking about dreams all my life. And, oh, you're kidding! Yeah, that's
2: unbelievable. Yeah.
1: And well, but it's true. You look him up, Richard M. Jones. He wrote many books about dreams in the wow. '60s and '70s. Uh, he worked with Abra- Abraham Maslow, and he he did a lot of work ab- about incorporating dreams and dream interpretation into education. Has a book called wow. "Fantasy and Feeling in Education" and the New Psychology of Dreaming and the Dream Poet. Wow. So, one of the things he told me about dreams is that one of the functions of dreams is that it's your mind's way of cleaning out all of the unfinished thoughts. So one of the examples he used is like if you're in a, if you're in the line at the supermarket and you think about picking up a magazine, but then you decide not to, but you kind of, you, you half have the thought, like, maybe I'll pick that up. And then in your dream, something about that magazine or the experience or was on the cover of it, it might show up in your dream. And wow. so when you, the, the image of the shelter of shadows as dreams are like, those are like shadows, right. And mm. so mm. That, that we go into this space where our, where we're very safe, we're in our bed, we're sleeping, we're comfortable, but it, in that safety, we're sheltered by these shadows, and it allows us to work out things that we couldn't work out in our conscious state. So I thought it was a fantastic metaphor. The song was a fantastic metaphor for why we dream. Because if if we didn't, those unfinished thoughts would eventually build up and turn into like all kinds of neuroses. So
2: I mean that that's an expert answer right there. I mean that's like <laughs> it's unbelievable that you knew that. I mean that's like uh, it makes a lot of sense, and I've never heard it described and put uh, more poignant. But wow, that's amazing.
1: So what is it that made you ask that question? Are you what's your relate? What is your personal relationship to dreams and dreaming?
2: Well, m- my relationship is it's an odd one. Um in that I dreamed a lot as as a kid and had very vivid dreams, Um, and some of those dreams um, were abstract, and some of them were kind of foretelling of what, you know, maybe I would be doing later in life, where where I would have, um, uh, you know, just I would have visions of something, and then I would be there. I, I, later in my life, uh, as my, you know, as I got older and experienced the world, places I'd never been, but you know, déjà vu or what, whatever you want to call it, but I could remember specific dreams, um, and then I would be in that place. But as I've gotten older, I've stopped dreaming. I probably haven't had uh, a dream that I can recollect where you know, where I can vividly remember. Well, I wake up and I know I've had a dream. I, I know I'm dreaming, but I just I'm not remembering them. It's got to be a decade, something like that. I have not had a dream yet in a long, long time. So that's been something I've I've, uh, I've thought about.
1: Well, I'll tell you, my own experience is that I yeah. am, I am someone who has worked very hard to make uh, marijuana legal in Washington State and and California wow. as well. So you're yeah. welcome <laughs> and oh, yes. thank you thank in you. that work I' have, uh, I've I've consumed a fair amount of cannabis and I definitely have had the experience that that uh, affects my ability to remember my dreams interesting are you a fellow activist in the Green Revolution, and is that maybe one of the reasons that you have a hard time remembering your dreams?
2: I actually am of the minority that, for no reason whatsoever, have never done—I've never smoked anything in my entire life. But you drink that coffee. <laughs> I drink I drink coffee obsessively, yeah. but for some reason, growing up in Laguna Beach, it's like, I don't know— I, I just don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, I just never no religious re- reasons, like nothing like that. But uh, have never, <laughs> n- not even a cigarette, nothing. Um, so no, I haven't done that. Okay. I, well, I, he's a pure yeah. Christian. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more Christian than most Christians, Sylvia. Yeah, I know.
1: What does that What does that mean?
2: He's just very pure. It It, it, it means that I've got friends that are like, like they're touting this and. Yeah, they're touting this and that and the holiness, and they're 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 in their adult life they're still uh, indulging pretty heavily in things, and people don't know. Yeah, I, I walk the walk, but I don't talk the talk. I don't I don't I don't care either way. But if you talk the talk and you keep falling off it, that's just like it's yeah, that's not, it's not yeah. a good look. I just don't talk. Like if I was doing drugs, I would just do the drugs and. I wouldn't be preaching that, that you shouldn't be doing drugs. I would say, yeah, you should. Tr- I, I personally think you should experiment with everything. Um, I just never did for some reason.
1: Well, going back to the to the thing about dreaming, I'll tell you one other thing that, and you, you've probably yeah. heard this, but one of the things my father used to say is the key to remembering your dreams is that it is to keep a pad of paper next to your bed. And first mm-hmm. thing, when you wake up, before you look at your phone, before you do anything, just get yourself in the, in the mindset of the, you know, and if all you remember is, I was running mm. like write that down. And over the course yeah. of a month or more, you'll tr- just like anything, you'll train your mind to be able to remember that stuff better. If you want, if, if, mm. if remembering your dreams is something you want to do, that's a strategy that I've, I've a lot of people yeah. have used and it's uh, it's very effective.
3: I'm interested yeah. in a couple of things about dreams. Um, one is When you're conscious in your dream, you know you're dreaming. I'd have that.
1: Lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming and
3: just go wild and do whatever you want. That was fun. That didn't happen that often. Lots of flying dreams, which I hear means you're trying to escape something. But I really enjoyed those dreams. Really Mm -hmm. the best. I had a
2: lot of those, too.
3: But the dreams that really stick with me are the ones that are common to all people across all boundaries. Those weird dreams that stick with you that you're like, this didn't come out of my daily seeing something this is so weird and so strange like the ones that deal with maybe like a cut in your body there's something in it it leaves an emotional impression like Mm -hmm. teeth falling out those kind of common dreams like why do we have dreams in our dna they're not just we all have the same and and you'll know it when you get one of those dreams like the teeth falling out because it stays with you for a long time. And then I had one where there was just a gash in my leg and went through my leg. So you look these things up and you're like, oh, these are common dreams. There's a list of them.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: those really interest me. I guess it's just archaic stuff that...
1: Yeah, well, that's like the Jungian archetypal stuff that, you know, we're still trying, you know, we're always trying to figure out the mystery of where these things come from. Those are
3: different. Those are different type of dream and they feel really different.
1: So the one for me is always being on some, like, being on something that's bigger and faster than me and is out of control. Mm. could be a plane. Oh, wow. could be a, uh, like, a, a big ship. Mm. could be in a car. Like, just something that's going really fast and I'm holding on and we're all going to, like, mm. it feels like we're all going to fall off of it. Um, I'm trying to
3: think if I've had that. Did you ever
1: have
2: night terrors?
3: Oh yeah, what about those where you feel like there's an entity in there? That's sitting
1: on you, the old hag or thing. Not
3: yeah. yeah, or just next to you You can just feel the presence, and you feel like you're awake, and you feel like your eyes are open, and you're looking at the room, and there's a black shadow.
1: I've had friends who have had that. I've never had that. Have you have you ever seen that? There's a, yeah, a documentary, I saw it on The Netflix. Nightmare. Yeah. Same guy who did the movie no. Room Two Three Seven.
3: It happened to me in it's London in my hotel guy. room.
1: Rodney Asher. Okay. Sorry.
3: No, I just uh, I know dreams are like kind of. People are like, yeah, they're weird. We get it. But I had this one where I felt this presence behind me, and I woke up and it was a shadow. And then this black spot—it just covers everything. It's like a black spot came in front of my face, but it was like sniffing, like a dog. Yeah, it was just like, and then I was just like frozen with fear. And and I heard my roommates key go into the lock and the door open. I saw the light from the thing and I saw him come in and I was like, thank God he's here. It's going to break the spell of whatever the fuck this is that has me frozen, but it didn't. Things just got like weirder and swimmier. Then I heard the key go into the lock and the door open and the light and he came in. It was like I saw it happen and then he came in. It was like some oh, weird wow. time warp shit and that's never happened oh, yeah. Me. And crazy. that was enough of an impression to put on Facebook and like, hey, is anyone else? <laughs> and a bunch of people were like, yeah, yeah. People.
0: There were an episode of Coast to Coast. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? It's like a paranormal sci fi um, alien show. I'm not really
3: deep into that stuff, but that stuff. Is-
1: well, that's the thing is that we all, I mean, I think everyone has some experience of the unexplainable that happens to them yeah. in, our, in, our, in their lives, whatever it is. I mean, what, for, for, for a lot of us, I mean, art, I, art, I, almost every time I've ever created anything that I thought was any good, I feel like there was no way I could reverse engineer it. Like, I don't know how I like, I know I did that, but I have no yeah, idea yeah. how I did that, or I would know I have no idea how to tell someone how to do that, and I couldn't do it again. And mm-hmm. it almost feels like I don't know if that feels like simultaneously really empowering and really disempowering, which but it's a but it actually but it, it that feeling is that feeling of something magical that I can't explain happening. Uh, yeah, you
2: know, I, I, I think to that point, that's why. I th- I love jazz. I love playing jazz and listening to jazz, and it's it's exactly what you just said. It's like it's it's not. It's just in the moment. Everything about it's in the moment. It's never going to be the same, even if they record it one way, they'll play it live another way, and there it's just it's just seeing that process through over and over, and it's uh it's really uh, something special and exciting.
3: Yeah, he's got a lot of. He's involved in a lot of great bands. Oh cool. yeah, ether feather—that's a good one.
1: Ether feather—that's yeah. a lot of lightness.
3: But yeah,
1: uh, yeah, and then there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And a feather floating on ether—what a what an image!
2: Wow. I know it's such a strange thing. That band. I love it's it. It's fun though.
1: Well, thanks so much for asking a question. I love it. any opportunity to talk opportunity to talk about dreams. So.
2: Oh, I mean, I can't believe I asked the question to, like, the dream expert. It's unbelievable.
1: <laughs> well, my father was the dream expert. I'm just uh, I'm a kid who grew up, grew up in a dream family.
2: That's It's amazing. Though. It's yeah. incredible.
1: Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Sure.
2: Thank you, Billy. I'll be talking to you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball.